Hello, this is Joe McGee. Welcome to our podcast. Make sure that you subscribe and please share the podcast with your friends. That is the number one way you can help us reach people with God's love and healing. We love you guys. Hope you enjoy the podcast. Hey everybody, it's Joe McGee. We're going through the Bible, Genesis, Revelation, in chronological order. People say, what is that? Well, that's in order by how it's, how it's written. Um, the Bible's not written in chronological order. It's written from the longest book to the shortest book. And so it makes a difference when you read it as it happened. Then it's, oh, that's why they did that. So today, we're in numbers. Great book. Loaded. They made some movies about it, actually. Uh, they don't call it numbers, but that's where the story came from. So we're in Numbers chapter 5, verse 1, and he's giving instructions. Uh, uh, what God was looking for was, was purity. Uh, there's certain things you can do, certain things you can't do. And so God's trying to help them do what's right. So verse 1 of chapter 5 of Numbers, the Lord gave these instructions to Moses Command the people of Israel to remove from the camp anyone that has a skin disease or a discharge who has become ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person. This command applies to men and women alike. Remove them so they will not defile the camp in which I live among them. So the Israelites did as the Lord had commanded. Moses had removed such people from the camp. Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, men or women, betray the Lord by doing wrong to another person, they are guilty. They must confess their sin and make full restitution for what they have done, adding an additional 20% and returning it to the person who was wrong. But if the person who was wrong is dead, then there are no fear, uh, no near relatives to whom restitution can be made. The payment belongs to the Lord, must be given to the priest. Those who are guilty must also bring a ram as a sacrifice, and they will be purified and made right with the Lord. All the sacred offerings that the Israelites bring to a priest will belong to him. Each priest may keep all the sacred donations that he receives. Verse 11, then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Now, God's trying to be very detailed. This is really good. Suppose a man's wife goes astray. She is unfaithful to her husband, has sex with another man, but neither her husband or anyone else knows about it. She has defiled herself, even though there were no witnesses. She was not caught in the act. But if her husband becomes jealous and is suspicious of his wife, and needs to know whether or not she has defiled herself, the husband must bring his wife to the priest. He must also bring an offering of two quarts of barley, flour to be presented on her behalf. Do not mix it with olive oil or frankincense for it is a jealousy offering. The offering must prove whether or not she's guilty. The priest will then present her and stand trial before the Lord. He must take some holy water in a clay jar and pour it into the dust that is taken from the tabernacle floor. When the priest has presented the woman before the Lord, he must unbind her hair and place her hands, uh, in the offering of proof. The jealousy offering is to determine whether her husband's suspicions are justified. The priest will stand before her upholding the, the, the jar of bitter water that brings the curse, that brings the curse to those who are guilty. The priest then put the woman under oath and say to her, if no other man has had sex with you, 
then you have not gone astray and defiled yourself while under your husband's authority. And you must, uh, you must immune, uh, be immune from the effects of the bitter water. Now, this is getting very detailed, but you got to read it. Now, there's so many things we don't read. But I'm, I'm picking out ones where it's like God was very detailed. Nobody, I used to tell you, when I taught my high school kids, nobody gets away with anything. Nobody. Some men since we dealt with this life, some men since we dealt with the next life, but nobody gets away with anything. Everything will be dealt with. So, but if you have gone astray by being unfaithful to your husband, have defiled yourself by having sex with another man. At this point, the priest must present, must put the woman under oath by saying, may the people know that the Lord's curse is upon you when he makes you infertile, cause your womb to shrivel and your abdomen to swell. May this water, now may this water that brings the curse into your body and cause your abdomen to swell and your womb to shrivel. And the woman be required to say, yes, let it be so. And the priest will write the curses on a piece of leather and wash them off into the bitter water. He would then make the woman drink the bitter water uh, that brings on the curse. When the water enters her body, it will cause bitter suffering if she's guilty. The priest will take the jealousy offering from the woman's hand and lay it before the Lord and carry it to the altar. He would then take a handful of the flour and take it as a portion and burn it for the altar and require the woman to drink the water. If she has defiled herself as being unfaithful to her husband, the water that, that brings the curse, uh, the water that brings the curse on the curse, uh, uh, bitter, will bring bitter suffering. Her abdomen will swell. Her womb will shrink. Her name will become a curse among our people. But if she has not defiled herself, it is pure. Then she will be unharmed and be able to have children. This is a ritual law for dealing with suspicion. If a woman goes astray and defiles herself while under her husband's authority, or if a man becomes jealous and the suspicion of his wife as being unfaithful, the husband must present his wife before the Lord. The priest will apply the entire ritual of the law to her. The husband will be innocent of any guilt in this matter, but the wife will be held accountable for her sin. That's a lot of detail, but let's just get cleared up a little bit. Chapter 6, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, either men or women, take the special vow of a Nazarite, set themselves apart to the Lord in a special way, they must give up wine and other alcoholic drinks. They must not use vinegar made from wine or other alcoholic drinks. They may not drink, uh, they must not drink fresh grape juice. They must not eat grapes or raisins. They are bound by the Nazarite vow. They're not allowed to eat or drink anything that comes from a grapevine, even the grape seeds or skins. They must never cut their hair uh, throughout the time of their vow, for they are holy and set apart to the Lord till the time their vow has been fulfilled. They must let their hair grow long. They must not go near a dead body during the entire period of their vow to the Lord. If the dead person is their own father, mother, brother, sister, they must not defile themselves for the hair of their head is a symbol of their separation to God. This requirement applies as long as they're set apart to the Lord. If someone falls dead beside them, their hair must be dedicated, uh, will be defiled. They'll wait seven days before they, they uh, shave their heads. Then they will be cleansed from their defilement. Now, I'm going to cease with that. 
It goes from the whole chapter all the way down to the offerings of dedication. God was very detailed, people of Israel, what they could do, what they could not do, why they could do it, why they could not do it. God didn't just ask them to do something. He said, why? Why did you set apart? You know, and uh, this seems sort of one-sided, but it's not uh, men versus women. God was very fair, very just. And so he had rules for everything, how he could find out if somebody had really sinned or not. And so it seems like a game. It's not a game. It's very detailed. So we come to the New Testament, and the Bible says in the New Testament, the law was done away with. When Jesus died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn top to bottom. Uh, It was ripped. What was behind the veil? The Ark of the Covenant. Now, whether it was actually there, some theologians debate that it was never actually there. Some say it was actually there. The implication was the reason the veil was there was the ark was behind it. So when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible says, seemed like he jumps way back. When he died on the cross, the veil in the temple was torn top to bottom. God ripped the veil. What's he doing? No more bulls, no more goats, no more turtle doves, no more sacrifices. The law has been fulfilled. Jesus is the only way to heaven now. It's not by keeping the law. It's not by dragging your bull down every seventh day and slitting throats. The blood doesn't run on the tabernacle. There's no more tabernacle. We are the tabernacle of God now. Christ in us, the hope of glory. So now it's Jesus. Uh, matter of fact, uh, they were trying to trick Jesus with the law. And said, so what's the greatest law? And uh, they're trying to trick him. In matter of fact, it says in each translation, they were trying to trick him. They were mad at him. And she said, well, you need to live the, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. And there's a second law like unto it. You need to love your neighbor as yourself. Then Jesus said, the entire law, the entire books of the law, all 17 books are tied up in these two statements. You love God. You love your neighbors. You love yourself. If you do these two things, you will fulfill the law. There's no more bulls, no more goats, no more turtle doves. No more walking backwards and counting stuff. It's just very simple now. Do you believe that Jesus is the son of God? Do you believe that he died for you and that God raised from the dead? Well, if you believe that in your heart and you confess that with your mouth, you're saved. I remember when I got born again, people, did you feel anything? I was excited. No, I didn't feel anything, but I knew I was born again. I did what God said to be born again. I believe that Jesus was the son of God. You ever met Jesus personally? No. Well, did you have family members? No, but I believe the word of God. I believe the written word of God, that he did come there, that he did die for me. God did raise from death and that he is actually at the right hand of the father praying for me right now. I believe there's so many angels. The Bible says you cannot count them. they watch over us to protect us, order our steps, direct our paths. I'm a blessed individual because I'm a child of the living God. You live on an alien planet? Yes, I live on an alien planet where Satan is the temporary God of this planet. There's wars, there's famines, there's disease, hospitals are full, prisons are full. What's going on? Well, Satan is the temporary God of this planet, but he's not my God. Because when I got born again, I was taken out of the kingdom of darkness, placed in the kingdom of God as their son. I'm now born again. I'm a child of the living God. God orders my steps, directs my paths, guides into all truth, shows me things to come. I'm a different person. I'm now behind enemy lines. 
but I have on the armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6. I have the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. I'm organized for war, but I've been promised victory. And in this battle, a Christian never plays defense. We never have to defend anything. God is our rear guard. There's so many angels you can't count. The angels watch over me. I only play offense. I'm I'm trying to set captives free. I'm trying to help orphans, help widows, feed the hungry, give water to the thirsty, visit me from prison. I'm here in a war to bless those that need to be blessed. I'm trying to leave everybody better than I find them. And that's what we get to do as Christians. We live the most awesome time of human history. For whatever reason, God has allowed you and I to be alive in the last days, the greatest time of human history. People say, is this a good time to get married? Never been a better time to get married than now. Is this a good time to have kids? Never been a better time to have children than now. Is this a good time to start a business? Never been a better time to start a business than now. It's the last days when God's spirit is poured out without measure. We're blessed and highly favored. So let's enjoy the process. Let's get in a good local church, listen to your pastor, read your Bible, volunteer, show up, mow some grass, clean a toilet, teach a class. Be a blessing. That's what we're called to do. God bless, guys. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to hear more of what God can do in your life. He's got a great future for you and your family, and we're here to help you get there. Please make sure you visit Joe McGee Ministries on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. There you find all of our Friday funny videos and other encouraging resources for you and your family. While you're at it, be sure to visit JoeMcGee.com. We have all sorts of materials, books, DVDs, you name it, all there to help you, your marriage, and your family succeed.